0: I love Survivor.
1: (laughs) Oh my god, I'm such a stan. Like, I thought I liked Survivor, and then I watched this season, and I was like, I fucking love Survivor.
2: All right. Well, welcome back to Escaping Reality, the podcast where we escape the reality of 2020 by watching our favorite shows, starting with Survivor. So I'm Stacy. I'm our host for today and joined by these lovely people, starting with Aggie, who's just making a great face right now.
1: I'm just so excited to talk about season 16. I have so many thoughts and feelings. Guys, get ready. Like, strap in. It's happening and we have a lot to say. So just get ready.
2: It is a good one. It is a good one. All right. We also have
0: Anna. Hello, internet. So psyched to talk about this season. I, much like Jeff Probst, I'm going to just get rid of all filter and be totally transparent in my opinions, and my reactions. So get ready. And
2: finally, we have Nick.
3: Hi, and unlike Jeff Probst and Anna, I'm going to be totally fake. <laughs> I'm more
2: like Amanda, is what Leave you're I'm
3: going to be Amanda and just be fake. <laughs> <Ooh>. <laughs> and I will... yeah.
2: As you can tell, we're very excited for this season, because it was a great one. Of the 16 we've seen, it was a great one. So we're going to share our initial thoughts. And as we do that, we're in 2020. A lot of trends have come up. Some I don't quite understand. Some are from TikTok. But a recent trend has been, it's the blank for me. So as we share our uh, (laughs) one-minute thoughts, please share what is it for you with season 16. So I'll start. For me, it is the sheer genius of Suri. That's what this season means to me. That's, (laughs) That's the takeaway from the season. When I think back on this season fondly, I think of Suri. But overall, I think this season was great. Um, It was a cool idea to have fans versus favorites. It was a cool way to bring back some old players, but in a new way. There were so many huge moments that, you know, I think are referred to a lot when people talk about all 40 seasons. Um, And so it was great to just see those happening. There were a lot of players that I liked. Also some returners that I liked less (laughs) this time as well. But overall, I think this season, I mean, I when I was watching it, I was texting these three a lot (laughs) with all caps often. (laughs) So it was it's up there for me for sure. Anna, what are your thoughts? And what is it for you? It's the
0: top notch banter for me. This season just went above and beyond in terms of like the sound bites and the commentary, which I feel like is such an impetus for an All Star season or for bringing back players in general.
3: Impetus we're english we're scholars we
0: took the sat once but to me that's such a huge part of like why you have an all-star season is because you you, you're bringing back people that you know are going to be fun to watch you know they're going to make good tv you know that they are going to engage with the camera and the other players and with jeff and just make these like delicious little clips to watch on TV so like for me it was just such a fun time watching those players and honestly the fans as well came in pretty strong like I think there were a really good handful of the fans that were able to pull out those that same level of like entertaining moment and I just think we came out of the season with like some really really great quotes um, my favorite which I think pretty much sums up 2020 was when Jeff said this is not the way this challenge was designed or the way we thought it was going to go. And like, <laughs> hey, if there ain't a better quote to sum up this year, there it is. That's that on that.
2: Okay, Nick, what is it for you?
3: It's the ice cream man for me. <laughs> okay, I will talk about Eric later on because I have many feelings about my baby, blonde-haired, beauty boy. It's just him for me. But it truly is, like, I could just say, like, It's this entire season for me. This season was just pure gold. It was so good. Like Anna said, it gave us like the classic banter that we want from reality TV. It made you realize like this is why bringing back people is so good because they know how to work it for the camera. They are just so good and it's so entertaining to watch them. I was very nervous at the beginning of the season that it was going to be strictly dominated by the favorites and we would only care about the favorites and only want to watch the favorites. But the fans like also got some interesting gameplay and interesting things in there as well, which I think was really good and really fun to watch. And I think also just like, I, I'm, I'll say it, I think we got one of my favorite winners out of this season. No spoilers, because like you should have watched the season before you listen to this. The poverty is just like gold at I'm winning. So proud of
1: you for saying that. That's the, the first
3: time name. I said her name right all week. So like Not poverty.
1: <laughs> He's called her poverty all week. Well, I
3: can't.
0: He, so did Jeff
2: and Jason. So, and huh. Jason,
3: I can't call her poverty anymore because she won a million dollars. I my time.
2: <laughs> okay, and with that, Aggie, what is it for you? I mean how do you
1: follow that
3: you can't <laughs>
1: um i think mine is the savage black widow blind sides for me just like the women fully like wrapping men up in a web and then like killing them oh it was everything to me and i think in like a subset of that would be cerees kill count if you were <laughs> counting five of the six blind sides were orchestrated and executed mm-hmm. perfectly by ceree she had some like other little minion women which is why she should have been in the final two because she b- would have won more on that later but i think mm-hmm. she was the mastermind behind most of the blind sides which i thought was very impressive and also just incredible to watch and it just happened time after time after t- like none of the men caught on like i was just like what's happening but i lived um so i think for me i think it was the savage blind sides it made for such good TV. Nick and I were like, they're not going to do it. They, they're they not. And then it was like, what? Like every single time. Because we were like, they're not stupid. Like the first one when they blindsided Ozzy, like the first big one, we were like, they're not going to do it. They're, they're not. They didn't do it. And then they were like. Oh. And then after that, it was like, oh my God, they're going to do it again. And they're not going to. The men aren't going to stop them. The men aren't going to stop them. The men are just going to let it happen. It was heat television. Okay, that's it. That's it for me.
2: All right. So let's go ahead and dive in. Um, We'll talk about the tribes, which were divided by fans versus favorites, um, and then we'll kind of Uh. get deeper. So um, the first tribe, the fans tribe, was IRI, and it consisted of Mary, Mikey B with the trucker hats, Joel, pretty big guy, (laughs) uh, Tracy, Chet, Kathy, Jason, Alexis, Eric, and Natalie. Uh. <laughs> Eric from Pickney, Michigan
3: <laughs> uh, <Not a> I <laughs> ice scream boy and I scream man, <laughs>
2: good man. Uh, and then we had the tribe of favorites Malakal which was Johnny Fairplay from Pearl Islands, Amy and Eliza from Vanuatu Suri from Exile Island Jonathan, Penner Parvati and Ozzy from Cook Islands Yao Man from Fiji and James and Amanda, both from China, which they had about six weeks turnaround between China and this season. All right, so that's who we started with, and let's go ahead and dive in. So first, just wanted to talk about the location, because it is, I think, the first time they have returned to a location so far, Um, because even though the name is Micronesia, it's in Palau. (laughs) It's the same, the tribe, like, the location is exactly the same from my wiki research at least so just wanted to see um what were your y'all's thoughts on the location and doing it a second time and um some of the things that were similar
3: i think the location like i love a beach location it's pretty it's nice to look at the rewards were nice and pretty too like they got to do the jellyfish swim again which we saw as a reward in Palau. so like it was just visually great to look at I will say the location for the two beaches were so different. It kind of sucked like on the RI beach, which was originally the fans, but then there was like a tribe swap and mix up before the merge. And so it was like just the RI beach. Their beach sucked. Like they had no space to do anything. Like the water came right up to their shelter and like, They didn't have, like, a giant clearing like they did on the Favorites beach. It was just jungles. Like, they couldn't go much further back, and it just looked so drastically different. I was like, this is kind of shitty.
1: Well, it's interesting, right? Because, Stacey, I'm looking at your notes, and they're the same camps as Palau. Like, they stayed on the same beaches. Because that one with the cave is the one where um, my ever-present dying tribe was. Um, What are they called? (laughs) Oolong, <laughs> yeah. and yeah. Beach is that one. And the reason we didn't notice it was shitty is because production made them a beautiful shelter and got rid of the jungle, like pushed it back and made them that beautiful shelter on that exact same beach. And like they decided to build their shelter like right up on, like my favorite scene is when Jason is like making a fire to make the stakes because they finally run a, won a reward and the fire immediately goes out because it's doused by the entire ocean. And you're like, Jason, why? Why, baby, why? But I think it's really interesting that we thought it was so shitty, and Karor dominated their whole season in Palau living on that same beach. So it's just, like, hilarious to me that even though it seemed so much worse, it's the same. Mm -hmm. I think it speaks a lot to how the favorites were so much better prepared to play this game. I think Jonathan Penner said in the ringing in, he was like, honestly, though, between the 10 of us, we had almost a year playing survivor. Like if you looked at how many days we had collectively been like out in the wilderness, it was almost a year's worth of survivor experience. And he was like, we were able to eat right away. We were able to build a shelter that actually lasted. We were able to use that cave appropriately. And I was like, it really is an advantage. And you saw that when they came over to the, I'm going to call it the Corora beach now, LOL, the i beach. They were like, why is your shelter here? This is dumb. And, like, Eliza was like, this camp's a nightmare. And Paner was like, what are they even doing here? And I was like, oh, God. Oh, God. Um, But I think it's really interesting to see that, like, the
2: location in this one was just used poorly. Yeah, it is interesting just now to think about how these camps have been used in the past, and so and this is something further down the line when Survivor starts to be in Fiji a lot. Um, we'll see, like very similar camps or sometimes the same camps. So I thought that was interesting. Um, okay, so let's go ahead and talk about the whole theme of fans versus favorites. I have actually I heard that it was supposed to be an All Stars, like another All Stars, but then they changed the theme to um fans Um, but anyway so what are your thoughts i know anna i think you had some thoughts about this theme
0: yeah so i mean my my initial thought especially watching the first few episodes was from like a production and an editing standpoint i think it's a really tricky balance to try and cut between like okay you have returning players so you want to play up that like all stars you know people want to see the favorites So how do you balance that and make it interesting for the audience of like, okay, we're going to show, you know, all the favorites interacting and at camp. And then we're going to go to these people that you don't know. How do we, you know, draw you in to want to watch them after you've just watched a scene of like Jonathan and Yao Man interacting? And you're like, wait, no, I want to watch more of that. I know that I like that. Mm -hmm. And then to switch it and be like, okay, here's some strangers. Like it's, to me, it was, it was a difficult... Kind of balance to cut and I do think that production did a good job of making you want to watch the fans but I do think that at least in the first handful of episodes they spent a little too much time with the favorites where you didn't feel like you were getting to know the fans as much like you guys have heard me talk in previous episodes one of my biggest gripes at the start of a new season is like how much time are we given to actually get to know the players Because for me, that's make or break for a season. It's like, if you get to episode two and you're not already invested in watching these people, like, it's off to a rocky start. So I think it was kind of tricky to find the footing between here's people that we know you want to watch. We're going to give that to you. And here's new people that we need to kind of interweave and find the right amount to give you of each so that you're interested. But as as it got later in the season and as we had, you know, like a tribe shakeup, and we got to see the fans actually interact with the favorites, I think that that kind of eased itself. Um, but I think right off the bat, that was like a, ooh, I don't know how I feel about this because I wanna watch the All-Stars and I like the idea of a fans versus favorites in concept, but actually seeing it play out, it felt pretty heavily biased in terms of wanting to watch the favorites. But like I said, as it got you know more episodes in that kind of shook itself out. But for me, that was the initial like,
1: ooh, mm-hmm. hmm. Yeah, and I actually agree with that. Like, Nick, we've been doing this thing for listeners, just to remind you. We've been doing this thing where we try and pick who we think might win or who might go far based on epi- episode one. Um, and this season, we all picked a fan and a favorite who we were, like, excited about. And Nick and I turned to each other at the end of episode one, and we were like, name one fan. <laughs> like, name one person. Honestly. Like, I was like, I can't name a fan. Nick literally called Eric who? What did you call it?
3: Oh, I have it written right here. Twinkie long-haired blonde boy who threw sand and <laughs> fought his way into my heart.
0: Nick, I went to write a name down and I wrote Kyle. <laughs> <laughs>
1: like, totally Kyle? But like, I from all that, this will lit- be a podcast.
0: Literally, that's what I meant. I was like, I, I, in my mind, was thinking Eric. And I was like, oh, Kyle. That's his
3: name. <laughs> I think too, first couple episodes of Survivor, suffers if you're like as a contestant you suffer a little bit if your team does well in viewership and like have yeah, an exactly. audience view you because the fans won and so we didn't have to watch them talk about tribal council so like it didn't matter like we didn't get that like viewing the favorites had to scramble and so we spent so much time there because the producers like well you have to see all these alliances that are starting you have to see who's not in the alliance so when they lose and they have to scramble for tribal you understand it more so it's like Mm -hmm. the producers and editors didn't show us what happened because they were like well the fans are fine this episode we'll introduce you to most of them Episode two because they lose and have to go to tribal episode two. Yeah.
0: I think in that exact same respect, we we always tend to see that whoever is leaving that episode gets like a little bit more attention in the edit of the episode because they're going home, and you know you don't want to get to tribal council have someone voted off and be like I don't know who they are. And with Johnny Fairplay being the person to go home first, you have the producers being like, oh shit, we're gonna lose all of this content. So we need to pack this first episode like full of him, full of him interacting with the people on his tribe, which just so happened to be the people we already know because he's going home. So the the whole first episode feels so heavily on the
1: favorites. Yeah, I will say though, as a fan of Survivor, who was like so literally Nick and I freaked out when we saw who the ten returners are. Like <laughs> it was screaming stacked. in it our was apartment, stacked. we were like oh my god oh my god no like he's like I was like Penner's back like Ozzy's back like there were so many and so I was as a person like if this was your first season of Survivor I think you might have been like what the fuck is going on but as a like viewer from now 15 seasons to here I was like oh Mm -hmm. shit I'm all in on this season like I'm all in so I think it was smart for them to pack us with favorite stuff even though the favorites lost in a way to like keep us like you're on the track. Like you're gonna get it. You'll get the fans in a minute. But I think for a new viewer, if like season 16 is the season you enter Survivor on, you'd be like, what the fuck is happening? I can name zero of the fans. We literally watched the entry we watched the start sequence of the next episode to find the names of our people. (laughs) I was like, I kind of like the one who kind of looks like a bear but he's not the scary one. (laughs) I was like that one. Spoiler alert that's Mikey B. It's Mikey Mikey B but i was like i i don't know who you are i don't know your name don't remember so it was just like it was it was hard right like it was there was no perfect way to do it
2: so yeah i mean i think we've talked about how as a viewer how it affected us or how it you know how we responded i guess to this um but i am also curious you know thinking about being on the show and being a returner especially well we'll talk about both but starting with returners what y'all's thoughts are on like, if there's an advantage to that, if there's a disadvantage, I know to me starting out, like I, feel like Ozzy had an advantage because everyone was a fan of him. Just like we're all pretty much fans of Ozzy, and I feel like from the start, like no one was thinking, like, oh, he's a threat right away. At least, even though he is a physical threat, they were mostly thinking, like, we get to play with Ozzy. Like, oh my gosh, like we get to, you know, I mean, eventually Alexis gets to like lay in the shelter with Ozzy. Like, that's you know, it's just such a such a gift. <laughs> so I am curious, what do you guys think about? coming back as a returner, but not an all-returner season, like a half-and-half half season.
0: I mean, I think it's it's obviously an inherent advantage to have played the game before. There, There's an advantage for having lived in the jungle, for having had to do the challenges and knowing sort of what to anticipate, even if what you're anticipating is like knowing that they're going to subvert your expectations, that you have to be on your toes the whole time. Like, there's just something to be said for having played once before is an advantage, However, I think in this particular situation where you're, you're not playing entirely with people who have played before, you A, have new people who you don't, you don't know how they're going to play. They've never played before. So you can't kind of try to think steps ahead of them because you don't know how they're thinking. You haven't watched them on TV. And also on top of that, they're not just newbies, they're fans. So they're constantly stroking your ego, which I think can be like a subconscious negative impact. I think especially for someone like Ozzy, like I think you saw a lot of people kind of get into his head by being like, oh my gosh, Ozzy, like teach me all your stuff. And like, you're so great. I love you so much. And he was like, oh yeah, like I'll teach you like totally. And you're like, no, Ozzy, no, don't like get a big head because you're going to lose your focus. So I think that in itself, like had it been returning players versus newbies, it would have been a totally different game than Returning players versus super fans who have studied the show, they've watched you play, they know how you play, quote unquote, they know how you play, but also like they're totally going to stroke your ego, and that might be a detriment to you.
3: I think Yao Man said it the best because they brought this idea of the reunion, and Jeff was like, "Well, you guys definitely like walked in with an advantage." And Jonathan Penner was like, "We totally did." Aggie brought it up. He was like, "Between all of us, we have a full year of playing Survivor, like." we got a shelter up the first couple hours, we had a fire made the first night, we had food the second day, we had water boiled, ready to go. And so like, clearly they were ready to do that. But then Yalman was like, brought up. He said, yes, we had the advantage, but all of these people know how we play the game and know what we are like and know who's the liar who flips alliances who Mm -hmm. is a backstabber who is always on the outs who can i work with and we don't know anything about these new players Mm -hmm. they're brand new they can come in and act trustworthy but be the person who forms all the blind sides and natalie who we saw that Mm -hmm. because nobody really expected anything from her and she orchestrated a lot of the blind sides as well she helped she helped with a lot of She didn't
1: orchestrate them. I, don't take that away from Sari. She didn't
3: orchestrate them, but, but she, she followed through with them. She
2: executed them. She took
1: credit
3: for them. She executed them. <laughs> she did them.
1: take credit for them, Anna. Go off,
3: Queen. Well, because she executed them. Nope. We'll get there. We'll talk about we'll it later.
1: No.
2: But uh, yeah, but Nick, what you're saying too, like I liked when Yao Man brought that up and I think it doesn't only apply to how the fans have been able to see the favorites play, but the favorites have also watched each other's seasons. And that's like, Suri was like, Yao Man cannot stay. Like we've seen him play in his season. We need him to go early. It was because she had watched his season. So I think even for each other, it's like, it does have an impact right from the start. Or like Eliza, none of them really trusted Eliza from the start because of her previous yeah. season. Like she she was already starting at a disadvantage. I think
1: too though, like you look at someone like Penner also, because like he did mutiny against his tribe. So like he, there was just like a lot of, even though they were in one tribe together, I think mm-hmm. what when it got really interesting was when they like did the tribe shake up because it was kind of like, Now you have to balance, like, is that always going to be their gameplay? Because some people do change their gameplay. I think we saw that with Steph when she played in Guatemala compared to Palau. Like, she realized that her physical strength was an asset, but she also was like, I didn't do social game, and I couldn't really do social game in Palau, and now I have an opportunity to do so, and that's actually going to potentially help me get further in the game. And Mm -hmm. so like having seen what they've done, I think a lot of, even me as a viewer, I started to guess what was gonna happen or I thought I knew what was gonna happen. And then I was like, oh, the like Parv actually didn't stick only with the favorites. Like she pulled in two people that she found Mm -hmm. on the IRI tribe who actually kind of knew what was going. So it was really interesting to see how their gameplay, it stayed sort of like the same vein, right? But like it branched off in certain ways to like bring in what the circumstances actually provided to them, which I thought was really interesting to watch, but Sari was the smartest in terms of knowing who was really a threat from their previous seasons and Mm -hmm. knowing when to get them out. Like, I think Sari was really good about being like, nah, Mm -hmm. and she's so good at, she was the best at reading the new people also. Like, she was like, that one, he's going to be a problem. We got to get rid of him. (laughs) That one, like, he's going to get, like, she's so good at socially reading everybody I would. I'm now most afraid to play with Seree and most excited to play with Seree, just because like mm-hmm. she would read me like a fucking book and it would be a little <laughs> embarrassing. But I'd get to hang out with her, so it might be fine.
0: I have a hot take about Seree.
1: <laughs> like like you, it. it's not. She's that's <laughs> walking amongst us.
0: No, no, no. It absolutely is. Like it's so pro Seree, but it may come across as controversial. Let's hear it. So, I adore Seree. I think she was full of, like, prime moments. What happened to my Zoom? There it is. Um, hey, me however, I think that Seri and her, like, quippy remarks and her confessionals and her, like, amazing quotes were better suited for a season like Exile Island where she was surrounded by, like, lovable weirdos who were much dumber on the whole than, like, other... Pe- like, I think Seri and her brilliance came across so much stronger... When, like she didn't have other brilliant people around her you know what i'm saying yeah like, i actually it was able to be so much more the seri show mm. when there were less players who you were also interested in watching around her that doesn't diminish how enjoyable it was to watch her in this season <laughs> but i do think there's something to be said for like i preferred watching seri when she could truly be like the main focal point yeah. And my attention wasn't also like, oh wait, Jonathan just said something hilarious. Or slides yeah, like, so and made a funny comment. Like season. there are yeah. so many big personalities on this season. So yeah. And again, nothing against <laughs> three or the way that she was on this season, but to me, she like was able to shine so much more surrounded by idiots.
1: <laughs> to me, I actually felt like this season I liked her even better. And it made me reevaluate how much I liked Exile Island. I was like, did I like Exile Island better than I thought? Because I fucking love Cerie, And I went back and I was like, yeah, I did. I like
0: Exile Island. So I was already I I
1: like Exile Island. But now I'm like, in retrospect, I was like closing my ranks on my rankings. And I was like, no, I liked Exile Island more than I remember. Move it up. I agree with you a little bit that like she kind of got overshadowed, but I think everyone else was more dramatic and she was like, does anyone else see that this is a fucking nightmare? Like, no, no. We're all just going to sit here and let that be. Okay. See,
2: I got that vibe from other people this season. Mm. Okay, so I want to get to... I know someone mentioned that everyone did give their picks of who they're most um, excited to see after season after episode one, like who you had the most hope maybe that they would go to the end. Um, So we'll do that, and then we'll do our um, little question over here. So Anna, um, after episode one, who was on your radar? So I had
0: like little bits of things spoiled for me. So like I knew that Johnny Fairplay didn't make it past episode one. Had he... (laughs) not left episode 1 it totally would have been him um however he <laughs> left um so for me it was Jonathan from The Favorites because like just everything about him from his season I was like I want to see more I want to see him work with a different group of people because I think he can apply a lot of the same things and be more successful with a different group unfortunately we don't get to see that happen because he's pulled from the game so I I think I know that he plays again so like I'm I'm very eager to see that Again, because I just think he does have it in him to make it really far in the game. And it was ripped from us. And then from the fans from episode one, it was Eric um, slash Kyle, <laughs> the ice cream intern, the ice cream apprentice, who <laughs> just from the first episode, like you could tell how much screen time he was given. He was clearly going to be someone interesting to watch, at least in terms of like sound bites and confessionals. Like, I think he had a very genuine energy, but also a very like comedic. Energy, whether he intended that or not, it came across as so charming. Plus, he was like physically able. So, I was like, this dude's gonna go far. He's gonna like vibe with people. He's gonna make us laugh. I just wanna watch him. I mean, he made it quite far. So, good on me
2: for picking (laughs) him. (laughs) All right, Aggie, who were your first picks?
1: (laughs) So, I truly, I've already said this once, I didn't know a single fan's name, not a single one after the first episode. I truly am sad that I didn't bet on a lady. I said to Nick, I was like, I feel like a girl is going to be from the fans is going to come up like strong, but none of them stood out in the first episode. Like I had this gut instinct. I was like, I feel like some of these girls are players, but I can't tell who. And Mikey B had like kind of made a few comments where I was like, Oh, maybe he wants to play this game. Maybe he remembers stuff from past seasons. Like there could be something there. So I picked Mikey B. Unfortunately, like that doesn't, go over well he goes home like a few episodes later because he gets like distracted basically by joel and his scariness it's like fine but yeah it was very male heavy anna but my pick was penner because i just we even said this go back and check me in cook islands but we said this like penner would have been more successful had you not been there but Yule was like, running the same game as Penner, stronger and better. And so I was, like, lit. I was, like, sick. We have, like, a Yule 2.0 situation. And then he fucking up his leg and he had to leave. And I was, like, God damn it. Like I Did was, you
0: cry? I cried.
1: I was, I was this. Oh. I was, like, oh. and he was so sad. And, honestly, his teammates were sad to see him go because I think at the end of the day, like, He gets kind of a villainy vibe at times, but the man loves Survivor. He loves being on Survivor. He loves every aspect of the game, much like I do at this point, 16 seasons in. And so it's like a kindred spirit type thing. And when he had to go home, I was just heartbroken. Like my heart was just so sad. I was like, damn it, Penner. Of course you have to go home. Like why? Um, There were just also like the medivacs were a lot. And I was... Oh, God. We all know I bet on James last time, so I, I felt like I had to switch it up. Maybe I should have bet on James this time. He went further. He still got hundred grand both times, so maybe I was
2: wrong. Yeah. Nick, who are your picks?
3: Um, I just want to say that I think I'm the best at picking people, because <laughs> my two people definitely went the farthest. So, <laughs> honestly...
0: I think I pulled from the game, so that's not even... That's not fair. Yeah. Did he
3: make it far? No. Okay. Anyway, anyway, it was out of his control.
1: I would have made it pretty far. I have... I have a strong inkling that he would have made it further than maybe. 100% he would. Or he might have been able to flip the women's alliance. I think Penner was the one who would have been able to break that shit up, and he wasn't there to break it up.
3: Anyway, this is my time to talk, so I'm reclaiming my time. Out of the favorites, I picked Sari, and I'm kind of offended that I'm the only person who not only picked Sari, but also picked a woman and also picked a person of color. So, mm.
1: So to be clear, there
2: weren't many people of color to pick. There were many, me. yeah. There oh.
3: many <laughs> all the
1: fans were white. Let's just put it out there. All the fans were white. Yeah, all the fans but were white. here's the tea. Nick picks three first. And I was watching with him. I was like, I can't pick the same person as you. It's going to come off like we are the same person, which already is becoming a problem for us. So I was like, okay, I'll pick someone else. So yes, Nick picked Sari, but I was also ready to pick (laughs) Sari.
3: You just know Sari, like she's so good at the game for being somebody Mm -hmm. who is so not much, like not a physical threat, like can't do challenges to save her life, can (laughs) barely swim and just Mm -hmm. come in and crush the game and talk her tribe into getting rid of stronger players than her first and it's like this makes no sense how are you able to do this holy shit i love you so much (laughs) i was so excited to see her come back and i was just like gunning for her and the t is if she would have made it to the top two she would have (laughs) won and then of course i picked my baby boy eric Ah! from the moment i saw him in those cute little track boy shorts my heart dropped (laughs) and i was in love I was in love with him. And then he was like, I got to show to this big guy, Ozzy, that I can be a strong competitor too. And he beat Ozzy in a swimming race. And I was like,
2: oh,
3: Eric. (laughs) He's got strong arms from scooping so much ice cream.
2: I did not choose picks because I had seen the season earlier in quarantine. I really loaded up at the first half of quarantine. Well, who knows if it's the first half because we don't know how long.
3: Oh my God, no! Don't say it. Don't say <laughs> it.
2: I mean, just keeping it real. <laughs> but so I didn't. I didn't pick. But I do think Mikey B honestly would have stood out to me too. Um, and I don't. I don't know. But I feel like Mikey B might be Latinx or have some Latinx parts of him if that makes sense well, but I, I don't know
1: I would love if there was not only white people on the fans
2: yeah the, the whole point being we're at this point speculating because there was just James and Suri that was obvious <laughs> so obviously not white right, right, right.
0: and Ozzy uh, right he was
3: the white
2: passing oh man he just wasn't there long but
1: oh oh yeah but okay. all the diversity was in the favorites
3: Yes, that's true. I have like a good topic that I want to bring up, and I don't know where it would fit. But I didn't like watching some of the favorites this season around because it felt like the favorites were very much, well, I've done this before, so clearly I'm a better player than you. Mm-hmm. And it just like came across as very like, <laughs> you guys built your camp here Mm -hmm. losers oh you don't know how to get a coconut down lol (laughs) i remember when i was a freshman
0: let me (laughs) show you (laughs) i don't know if you can do
3: it and i was just like okay calm down all of you have been on one season and Mm -hmm. some of you didn't even get that far so let's not act like we're being amazing here
2: yeah that's a good point and i do think like especially the more we get into Survivor having these kinds of themes that are not just the name of the location. I do think that even plays into their mindset because like going into a game show, being called a favorite. And then like also when they came out and were introduced, like everyone's clapping for you. I think that can all build, like make your head big basically. And I think it did for a lot of them. Um, So I think that's another like psychological part of it. It leads you to think you already have a leg up when like you said, some of them did not play that long. And I like when Suri says to Jonathan, like, how long have you, how many days have you been out here? Because Siri's like, I actually went pretty far. You're trying to tell me what to do and you didn't go that far, dude.
1: They were definitely cocky at times. I think it's hard when you come into the other camp, right? Like the fans, when they went to Malakal were like, oh my God, this is so much better. And then I felt like there were people on that tribe who were trying to share their knowledge. Like some of the returners, the favorites who were still there, they were sharing. But I think it came from a different perspective, right? Like, they were impressed with them. So they were more willing to share. Whereas like at I iRide, the returners got there and they're like, what the fuck is going on? Because we've all been at that point in our jobs or careers or something where you're like, why the fuck are you doing it this way? That doesn't make sense. Like it's wrong. And like the fastest thing for you to do is be like, I'm going to just tell you you're wrong and how to do it better because I don't have the time to teach you how to do it better. Um, or like, I don't have the time to invest in making you a better person in order to accomplish the same goal. I could just tell you what to do. And so I think in that regard, it's not necessarily a good strategy or like a nice way to treat people. But I think that's kind of what we came into. It's kind of like being a veteran at your job. And then a new person comes in and they're shit. And you're like, I don't have time to tell you how to do this better. For me, I can understand that like moment of like, Oh my God, I'm just going to fix it. And then hope you are not too mad later.
2: All right, well, let's dive into gameplay, starting with just talking about actually not gameplay when people had to leave the game. <laughs> so there were a oh. lot, <laughs> there were a lot of, uh, <laughs> there were tons of medical um, evacuations. There were, I think, two people who left of their own <laughs> choosing. Um, so there was a lot. So what were y'all's thoughts on not only people leaving, but also how Jeff responded to those people?
3: Okay, so I have feelings on Jeff Probst, and especially this season, I don't think he painted himself in the best light. Mm -hmm. And I think it's very evident in the way he treated Johnny Fairplay versus Kathy. Now both of them quit the game, and Kathy straight up was like, I can't feel my family anymore. And if you, like, watch the reunion, she's like, I just, like, didn't know what I was getting into. And, like, bitch, if you're a fan, you should know what you're getting into. And Jeff was like, oh, I mean, like, it's understandable. It's rough. It's okay. I think you did great while you were out there. Good for you for doing it. And then he was like, like berated Johnny Fairplay. And I was just like, well, I mean, you did what you did and we're not going to talk about it. And I'm like, okay, we get it. Johnny Fairplay quit, but for a legitimate reason where his wife or girlfriend, whoever, was legit about to give birth. And he was like, I should probably be there for the birth of my daughter. So he had a reason and Kathy did not. And Jeff was like, nah, fuck you, Johnny Fairplay. I don't like you. So you're gonna get no sympathy from me. Kathy, I'll give you sympathy because why not? And it's like, Jeff, no, I just don't like it. I think a host of a reality competition show needs to be unbiased towards their competitors. So this question was definitely more so about like the medical, <laughs> but I went into a rant about pros, but I just like, I don't agree with Johnny quitting. It's very similar to when Jenna M quit in all stars. Like you just shouldn't have gone on the season to begin. with. Kathy was just, you're not a fan of the show. If you didn't know what you were getting into, that's the truth. That's the team.
0: So I'm going to jump in because I, I really agree with you in some respects and I, I slightly disagree in others, but the, the disagreements are kind of inconsequential in that. I, I think Kathy like completely hit a wall and definitely like should have left the game. Whereas Johnny Fairplay, I like his, he said his girlfriend was only seven months pregnant, which like, I, I don't, I don't know. Cause I'm not in that position, but like, do the math. Like you're pregnant for nine months and it's seven months. Like you're good, dude. You have some time. So like, I don't totally think that he needed to leave the game, but like, again, personal reasons, whatever you do what you gotta do, dude. But I think in regard to Jeff, He was so transparent in the way that he treated everyone who left. And to me, it was just so obvious that, like, he was thinking about it from the perspective of what makes good television. And I think, like, to compare it to the way that we've seen him treat people leaving the the game in the past versus now, like, he understands that when someone leaves the game, it makes for a good moment of television. But the contrast here, I think, with someone like Johnny Fairplay, him leaving the game, like his decision to quote unquote quit the game. If, you, if you're going to weigh whether or not that's a good moment of television, you have to weigh it in terms of like, is it a better moment for him to leave or to have him in the game for multiple episodes? Like he's going to make better television the longer he stays in the game. So for him to leave on episode one, in Jeff's mind, I think you're like, as, as a producer, you're like, oh shit as interesting as it's gonna be to watch him quit, it's not as interesting as it would be to watch him in the game. Whereas someone like
1: like, I can't believe we spent the money to get you to come on the show.
0: Right? To be like, we're we're
1: paying people to be on the show.
0: Hella. Which I think is part of why he quit was like, I got the money for being on the show. I'm not gonna paint my legacy of being a villain by like slightly not being a villain. But I think that's the difference between the way we see Jeff react when Kathy leaves and with the two medical leaves, is he almost has this like smug smirk on his face where he's saying these, like, sensitive words of being like, I totally understand, like, you have to leave if you have to leave. Like, it's just the way that it is. But he has this
2: smug look on his face where you're like, you know that this is good TV. I think he also, honestly, was probably like, we could have just brought some other favorite out. Like, we, we now are down a favorite, like, not from getting voted out, but you're just like, you were supposed to be, like, one of the top people for our ratings, and you're gone. Like, we brought you here even though I don't like you. (laughs) <laughs> and now you're gone so i think he was just like come on dude um but then like kathy i mean was she a huge storyline <laughs> i mean she cried a lot oh, no. she went to exile she like complained about the raid he <laughs> was probably like you can go like thanks for coming you can go even i think back when jenna left too he was probably just thinking like we could have brought another returner like you did not have to come so i think he takes it more personally with the with like returning players you know but I think
1: with the medivacs too and I totally agree with you that Jeff is kind of like I I think there's a little bit to it of him being like this is going to be a really good moment and it's going to shock people but I do think I do get a vibe from Jeff and this could be my rose colored glasses around Jeff because I love him so much I do except for Johnny Fairplay I think Jeff is such a big fan of the show that to watch people in pain like he knew Penner didn't want to leave Like, he knew. He's like, fuck, Penner does not want to go. And I literally have to tell him, like, no, you have to go. And I think if you've seen season 40, listeners and others, if you've seen season 40, you see Jeff loves returning players. Like, he truly does. I think Fair Play is probably, he has to be one of the only ones that Jeff doesn't, like, genuinely love as if they're part of his own extended family. Um, And I think there is this aspect of Jeff like being legitimately sad for James and Penner that they have to leave. And I think he's probably like, it will make good television because no one's going to expect for him to go home. But my heart breaks for you, Penner. Like it, It breaks for you that I have to send you home.
0: I think also with Jeff, we do see him have this sort of inherent bias to those players who are more conventionally good players I I, I don't know if I'm describing this the right way, but, like, Jeff likes, you know, the physical players who also have the mental, you know, intelligence to play the game. Someone like Penner, who can go into a challenge, do well in the challenge, and do well at the social-mental game. And I think that's why we see Jeff so, like, genuinely sort of upset that, like, Penner has to leave the game, and James has to leave the game. But on the flip side, I think that's also why we see him so willingly let Kathy go, is because he's like, okay... She's not going to win. And if she makes it far, I'm not going to be glad that she makes it far because she's not good at challenges and she's not good at the mental game. Like, he's disappointed when the good players can't go on. And when someone like Kathy comes in and wants to quit, he's like, you know what, babe? Go for it. You tried. Go back to it. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. I think he was so upset that Austin wanted to quit because he was like, no, no, no. You're a good player. You're strong. You're capable. Like, what the fuck Mm -hmm. are you doing?
1: Jeff is me when it comes to favorites like, who is his favorites, it's all the ones that can, like, be pretty strong in the game, but also have good social game, or, like, attempt to have good social game, because I do think he respects the fuck out of Ozzy, and I'm, like, same.
3: Jeff respects the men.
2: He d- yeah, he does seem <laughs> closer to the men. He does. Yeah. So, I mean, I guess it's just interesting to think about how many, like, medevacs there were, and how many en- injuries there were. Like, this was a very physical season, even James James was much closer to the end, having to leave. You know, like it, the injuries affected people pretty far into the game.
3: I will say though, if James wasn't medically medically evicted, he mm-hmm. would have been voted off that episode. I
1: love that you said medically so,
3: evicted.
1: <laughs> <James> <laughs> big medical brother, evac- big
3: whatever evacuated, <laughs> as evacuated. As well. evicted. Evicted. I he would have been. He would have been kicked off that episode. Mm-hmm. The team.
2: yeah. But it's just, I just couldn't believe how many injuries there were. I mean, even, like, the very first, yeah, and even the very first challenge, like, or whichever one, they are like, in this car thing, they to, like, be pushed in this
3: thing. Like, people were
2: falling over, people were getting, like, hit in the face. I mean, we had the Chet and Joel uh, partnership where it just dragged, literally dragged Chet and Chet says, I hit my head and he says, I don't care. So like it
0: was just broke, so like definitely gets off a little bit when people get injured. <laughs> you, you can hear it in his voiceovers when he was like, the most injuries we've <laughs> ever had in this season. Yeah, and you're like, Jeff, yeah. try not to like get so horny by this. Don't
3: like stop. Eliza yeah. takes
0: a big fall. Like,
1: you're like, Jeff, help her! Or he's like, Oh, Eric just ran his whole body into the thing, and you're like, Jeff, oh,
0: it's okay. not good.
1: <laughs> humanity here, Jeff, like. I feel like this season, I don't know if it's, like, because of the location. I feel like there were a lot more, like, deadly infections that happened in Mm -hmm. these cuts, etc. than I feel like in previous seasons that has happened. (laughs) Like, in previous seasons, they've gotten cuts or bruises or things like that, but they've kind of not had this, like, ever-present threat of, like, deathly infection. Like, when James Mm -hmm. showed up with his fucking IV, I was like, are we good in my (laughs) Like, Is everyone fine? Like he's like I'm walking up with my thing and Eliza, classic. (laughs)
0: Her face, she'll express. Me,
1: you're here with your IV, and I was like, I don't know what's happening, but it's a whole bunch.
0: (laughs) Like they've always gotten cuts and scrapes, but something about these cuts was so deep. Like you see Penner's cut, and you're like, oh my god, like that 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 needed needed stitches. What like what dove itself into you
2: so deeply? And now that that I'm. I'm Now that I'm thoroughly grossed out, let's continue. Yes. (laughs) So So diving into the gameplay, there's so much to talk about. I don't even know the best place to start, but I do think there were just so many that like the game was just always live like it was just very lively. It was always always something was happening. There were idols on Exile Island, which I know we've talked about before. Um there were there was one time a clue to an idol, but it was actually back at camp. People giving up their um, their uh individual immunity and a lot of blind sides too. So where do you all want to start?
1: Can I start? It's like short. Here we go. (laughs) Exile Island. Perfect execution. I have no notes, and I always have notes on XL <laughs> Island. I thought the clues, like, running you back and forth to tire you out so that the mm-hmm. immunity idol wasn't as easy to get, brilliant. I thought having two people have to go, so it was, like, a reward and a punishment, so, like, it mm-hmm. kind of could become a reward, and Parb used it that way when she convinced Eric to send her to exile. She's like, I don't even need to find the idol. It doesn't matter. Like (laughs) uh, my alliance is secure by me being here, hanging out on the beach. She's like tanning herself. It was beautifully done exile Island. I was like, you guys have found the version of exile Island that works.
2: Well, and also having it used as like, I know there's that one time where they could, like each team could pick someone from the other team to not play in the challenge, Mm. but they did get to go to exile. So it's like, There's just a lot of layers to all the decisions they had to make this, I was about to say this semester, but this season. so any other thoughts about either the idol the idols or the fake idol situation fake idol uh, the
3: fake idol gave us some of the best commentary we have ever seen on survivor when eliza freaks out on jason because it was the best example of television in the history of the world <laughs> just eliza walking up to him to like what are you trying to pull on me what is going on and he's like what that's the idol she's like It's not the idol. It's a fucking stick. It's a stick. And he's like, what do you mean? It's the idol. She's like. It has a face on it. (laughs) It's a face on it. She's like, yeah, somebody just cut a face into it. This is a stick. (laughs) It was the greatest five minutes of my life. And I rewatched it so many times.
0: But to just full conviction, be like, I have the idol. This is it. Like, you've never watched an episode of this show. (laughs) That's the thing. (laughs) You think that that's the idol.
3: If you've watched it, you know when you find an idol, there's a piece of paper or, like, fabric that says, you have found a hidden immunity idol.
0: Mm-hmm. Like or it's that it not looks just, constructed by someone. It's not just, like, a <laughs> random piece like of wood. Like, at a bare minimum, it's,
1: it looks like a thing. Also, Ozzy put so little effort into that. The <laughs> fact that Jason fell for it was heart-wrenching.
2: I also love that Ozzy even... Uh, barely attempting but still trying to make a fake one he took it from yao man like you're seeing people taking things from past seasons you know and that's gonna continue like yao man started a trend i'll just say that of being of not just finding an idol but then being smart of what to do next
0: i was glad that at least when the fake idol got played eliza like showed her whole hand and being like first of all jason gave this to me second of all ozzy has it Like, she didn't just play it and be like, oh, I'm an idiot. She was like, I didn't find this. Jason found this. And B, Ozzy has it.
2: Uh, Did anyone else wonder, like, because Ozzy, before the swap, he told his alliance, or those four, the couples, about his idol. And then he hid it, like, in the cave or somewhere in the woods. And then... He was at risk of switching tribes. Like, he could have lost... I dropped
3: that up.
2: Idol. Yeah. He was just very lucky that he went back to the same tribe. But I do think if you have an idol before the merge, you should... Well, really, even before that, because you could have a swap, you should keep it on your person. Like, I get why they hide them, because people check bags. But what if you lose it? <laughs>
0: like, what? I feel like there has to be a something behind the scenes that we don't see when the merge happens like they either have to tell them like bring all of your belongings to the next challenge or like there is a scene that we don't see where like they are allowed to go back to their beach to get their stuff if they're changing beaches because otherwise like how would that
2: work logistically like with an idol or just with any of your stuff well i know sometimes they've said like your stuff has already been moved to the other beach but i'm like if you hide an idol like do they get it for you or like lust right because they know
1: where it is right
3: if you hide an idol and then somebody else finds it does it become their idol
1: to me that's what where i think anna's probably right That there's something where they're like bring your stuff yeah i guess the producers can't tell them that because then they'd know that it was going to be a tribe swap or whatever Mm -hmm. i low-key think ozzy got lucky
3: Even though the idol never did him any service. Yeah,
2: all this was for nothing anyway. But we love an idol going (laughs) home in a pocket. We love it. But if any of our listeners know what happens if they swap tribes, let us know. Okay, let's move on. We have still so much to talk about. So let's talk (laughs) about Eric and specifically when he wins immunity. He really needed that immunity. He won it. And before we know it, he is giving it to Natalie and then going home. So, Nick, what are your thoughts? Okay.
3: Now, we all know I love Eric because I just think he is a precious baby angel who needs to be protected at all costs. (laughs) And I love him. My thing with Eric and his decision was, it was dumb. I will for sure say that. But Mm -hmm. the girls, and specifically Natalie, played him very well because he was convinced he was in an alliance with Natalie even before she started talking to him. So he was fully like, if we do this, like, this will be a smart move. This will be a good blindside. For me, I, like, feel bad for him because I'm just, like, you just didn't know that she was lying to you, which is the whole idea of a blindside. But if it worked, it would have been super smart and super amazing. But it just didn't for him. And it made me feel so bad. But I think it upset me more so because it put Natalie into the final four, and I hated Natalie. So I was just like, if it would have been a different girl, like even Alexis, I would have been so much happier, but it was Natalie. And so I was pissed off.
0: I don't know how you can call yourself a fan of Survivor and then make such a huge blunder like that. Like, how dare you say that you're a super fan of the show and then do something as stupid as give away your individual immunity that late in the game? I-, I would compare him a lot to B.B. Ian from Palau, but, like, I think that Ian was so much smarter. Like, at least Ian's decision had some gravitas behind it where he was like, no, I really do, based on the events, feel like I need to redeem myself, whereas, like, Eric just let the women convince him that he needed to redeem himself when he did nothing wrong in the first place. I was like,
3: you like, like dude, nobody's shit list. The girls were like, the jury hates you, and I was like, but do they
0: think about it for a they minute? Don't,
2: they they don't. don't.
0: I was so happy that it was, you know, a women's alliance and a women's final four. But I, I was rooting for Eric so
3: much. Ugh, my I poor baby.
1: My thing with it was that there was no reason to believe Nat other than like his deep-seated belief in the goodness of people. Do you know what I mean? And that's why I think I compare him to Ian from Palau. Ian actually had wronged some people. So his was more like a personal, I brought myself to this moment. Eric, I actually don't think had done anything wrong to people, but they were able to spin it to make it feel, make him feel like he had. Eric was like, I can't imagine feeling like I have wronged someone somehow. And I'm sure he'd also seen Ian's season and saw how friendships were ruined because of that. And he was like, I can't fall into that. And then in thinking that, fell into that. For me, I was like, I was rooting for Eric as much as I didn't love him the hairdo I was rooting for him to be successful and there was a potential for it to be the same situation as Vanuatu where Chris even though he didn't have an alliance could have like glaciered through the women
2: Mm.
1: but the women this time around were smart enough to be like let's at least try to work this situation
2: it's just the way the show like built up to that happening was just great like just watching the women sitting there and Suri saying like I wonder if we could get him to give that give you the necklace, like just and then at that point you're like, there's no way, like he was not born yesterday. He is very young, but like he watches the show. There's no way. Also, because they had just kind of lied to Jason, like I just feel like he should know they're not super trustworthy.
3: Parvati says <laughs> that the next episode, she's like, we pulled the same blindside move four times and it worked every time, and it goes to show you that the guys this season were trash players. They were dumb. They were, it's the typical explanation of Survivor being like, you can't be just strong and physically fit and win Survivor. If you have no brains and no social game, you can't win.
2: I do think that's like one of the, and I told all three of, uh, I told y'all before you watched this season, like, this is the biggest, biggest mistake of Survivor history. I think from all the seasons I've seen, I have not seen a bigger one. James going home with two idols was the biggest one till this (laughs) time. So...
1: We got him back to back, like one <laughs> really disastrous moment. And then boom, yeah. And here's the thing, I feel like Ozzy and Jason, they didn't have two idols, but they did both go home with it. Like we just upped our game as the season went on. We were like, nah, we're going to like up it again. Like the stupid men were just going to be like, Mm-mm, move out That's the way, amazing. bitch, I got a new stupid man. And then like poor sweet baby. I, I don't think he's stupid as a person, but it has to be one of the dumbest things ever done on this show. I think he has more sense than that, but he just got, he got played by women. And I think Serene knew he would be played by women based on commentary he made about boobs, like he'd never seen them before.
2: (laughs) So, okay, there were also, I mean, we've already talked about how there were many blindsides. I don't know if anyone has other blindsides they wanted to discuss. I think the only one that kind of stands out to me that we haven't discussed is Amanda. I mean, I think Amanda was the only one to use an idol successfully. So even though she had a lot of other faults, she did save (laughs) herself that, um, that episode. I felt bad for Alexis because Alexis, like, had no idea that was happening at all, so...
1: I think that was a really good example. This season is the first season we see them planning about how they're going to talk at Tribal. On top of what they're planning on doing, like, Suri was like, me and Natalie will be really silent when Eric's talking and he'll talk himself into it. Like, Parv, you and Amanda have to lay it on really thick and me and Natalie won't say much. Because, like, if it comes from me and Natalie, then he might get spooked. But if he hears it from you guys okay. enough and then we, like, throw in our two cents he'll feel guilty enough to pass it to NAB. But like, we can't can't be the orchestrators of this because it's going to come off like, we really want him to do this. And then that might spook him. Mm -hmm. Um, Same with Amanda and Parv. They were like, we can't tell anyone. Like, we can't tell anyone. Like, it has to be that, Amanda, you are going home. And that was so brilliant. And I think that's the first time we see people really thinking about like, it's not just that you want to do a blind side because we saw it with, was it Yao Man or Yule or someone? I don't remember. Where they look at the person who is needs to play their idol. I think it's Yao no, Man. I think it's Yao Man.
3: Yeah. Where they really
1: look at him. And they're and then he's like, well, I guess I'll play it just in case. And then it's like, oh yeah, you probably needed to. really.
3: And the editors did a great job of not showing the viewers if she actually dug up the idol. So like we were also in the same sense of the other contestants, which I love. That was great editing on their part.
2: All right. Well, we're already talking about the players. So let's continue. Um, I just, I mean, we kind of broke it down by um, some of the fans who were pretty big players or at least got the most airtime I guess and then also some of the favorites so for fans I feel like Trace we've talked about Eric we've talked about Natalie a little um Tracy I also think was trying to play the game I think she just didn't really have enough like uh, not enough things went her way to really get involved in the game um but I do think she had good strategy and she was a good talker but what are y'all's thoughts on some of the fans
1: I think we might talk about this more in honorable mention so I won't go into it too much. I think for us, this season was filled with so many people who came out of the woodwork as like successful that we weren't expecting Mm -hmm. that will save some of our like strong thoughts because I think all of us have a different choice for honorable and or dishonorable mention. But Mm -hmm. I think the three that we should just point out now are Natalie, Tracy, and Eric as like Mm -hmm. these three were the ones who came out actually being players from that team because you had Joel, who, like, was too aggressive to really be someone that people wanted to align with. And then everybody else just was, like, a victim of not being there long enough. But, like, Tracy, Eric, and Natalie were actually able to, like, actually make some gameplay happen, good, bad, or ugly. They were the three that kind of were able to break out of the fans' box they were put in and put position themselves to be favorites or be villains, but they were able to push themselves outside of that fan's box that they were put in at the beginning.
2: Yeah, they were the most memorable uh, fans for sure. Um, Okay, and then with favorites, I mean, I think this is a great time to go ahead and talk about Suri. I think we've waited much longer than we needed to to discuss the genius that is Suri. I'll share a few thoughts and then we'll continue. So kind of the way I feel about Sandra is how I feel about Suri. She's the perfect example of you don't have to be physically, you know, dominant to still go far in the game. I think it would have helped her to win if she could win just like a couple immunities maybe like towards the end. Like that last one, I really think she could have won that. I mean, obviously she would have been in the end and probably won. But she is just so observant. Like she's just so observant and she just knows how to like plant a seed and just like let it go. I mean, there were just so many... Moments where I feel like she would just say, like, one thing, even with um, even to Amanda, she would say something about Ozzy just to plant the seed of, like, he's a threat, we can't, like, he cannot stay here forever. And she didn't tell him about the tell Amanda about the blind side, but she definitely, like, just planted some seeds of, like, what are your thoughts on Ozzy? Things like that. Also, from the very beginning, Suri was like the swing vote, and Suri, like, she also doesn't back down, like, she has a plan and she sees what's going to help her the most. And she's like, I'm sorry, but I'm voting this way. I'm not, I didn't force anyone to vote any other way. They're going to do it because they know it's like in their best interest, but I am voting my way. I'm voting, like, I'm not going to be told what to do. Um, I loved when she did not back down to Penner in that first episode. And then of course, she's just very funny. She's just great um, comedic relief for the season as well. So I love her. I just wish she could get to a final too. Those are my thoughts on Suri. So what do you all think about Suri?
3: I, I agree. I think Suri is one of the strongest players that like we see play and I love that she plays so many times so we can continue to watch her but I think as you watch her you're kind of like this is why you will I don't think you'll ever make it to a final two mm-hmm. or a final three because everybody likes you. So like you make strong power moves, you aren't mm-hmm. a physical threat plus people like you. I'm not like it's Hard for people to trust her to bring her to a final two because you bring her with you to a final tribal she wins there's no way around it and like it sucks because she should win she should 100 percent win i don't know there's yeah, nothing we about as an
1: audience it. have been robbed of Surre in a final two and honestly maybe it's a good thing we don't deserve it we as a country haven't done enough to deserve Surrena in a final two. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Ha- look back at 2020 and think about the context here. But I think... sir,
2: I feel that I deserve Sari, but okay.
1: I, <laughs> The four of us maybe personally do. As a country, we don't deserve it. This is yeah. our punishment. This is our timeout punishment <laughs> for what we have done. I hate the word deserve because I feel like we talk about how that's not really a thing. Um, in Survivor, like there is no one deserving person that needs to be there. But in this moment, I felt like Sari deserved to be there and we didn't get it. And that was heartbreaking if you will
3: but it's also like you can't fault amanda for not bringing her because if she yeah, would exactly. have brought her she had so much of a better chance to be par, uh parvati than yeah. she would have seri like you bring Suri, Suri wins
2: well it also sucks that it was a final two all of a sudden instead of final three right
3: oh we can like cut this out of the podcast but do you think it was a final two because of all the quits and medical evacs like do you think it was supposed to be a final three?
0: I think it was as soon as they caught wind that the players were discussing it in terms of being a final three. If it hadn't already been predetermined at the start of the season that it would be a final two, I think as soon as people started to discuss things in terms of a final three, they were like, you know what? (laughs) Fuck it. It's a final two.
1: Yeah, I think that it was originally supposed to be a final three based on when the jury started, because there were 10 people, but I think they were like, let's take a calculated risk and have it be a final two because of exactly what you said, Anna.
0: Like, could because we got so many scenes shown to us on the show of them discussing, like, it's final three, blah, blah, blah. And then Jeff threw in a couple of those things of being like, you're talking like it's a final three. Have you considered? Maybe it's not. You're out there producing in the field. You're changing things up based on what's happening in the game. I think in one of those moments, you say, you know what? If they're expecting it to be a final three, let's
2: make it a final two. It'll make things more interesting. I'm sad for Suri though. Okay, so since we did love Suri and she was kind of the queen of the season... Despite not winning, Um, we did want to share our favorite Suri either quotes or just like a moment that really stood out to you. Anna, what was your favorite Suri moment?
0: My favorite Suri moment was early on in the season when she's commenting on the fact that Ozzy and Amanda are just straight up making out in like the shared bed in the shelter. And she's like, um, we're all like right here. And she's just kind of up in the middle of the night being like, y'all ain't slick. We can hear you. We can hear the sounds of jungle love.
1: Love it. Is that All where she right. also says little Oslets are going to be running around? I,
0: I
2: think, think that's like segues into that. Aggie, favorite Suri moment?
1: I have so many, but it's <laughs> this. When the tribe swap happens and Eric is clearly in love with Ozzy, but like friend in love with him and Suri says, if Ozzie were to propose marriage to Eric right now, It would be a done deal. That is, and forever will be, one of the funniest things that anyone has ever said. Like, I full-on laughed out loud. The minute I was like, "She's, she's saying that. Oh, my. It was, like, also so accurate. Nicholas
3: oh mine isn't a quote but at the survivor auction when she walks up to pay jeff and just doesn't hand him the correct amount of money and just like Suri, i need all of it and she's like well i guess you counted (laughs) and i was like yes me because like it's not real like it's real money but it doesn't mean anything so like i would (laughs) have put that same shit
2: There's so many, but I think, I mean, all of her like interviews, she just says funny things. So her, um, commentating on or commenting on when some of the tribe is like at the reward and they're showering and they're, they are showering, you know, with no clothes and she's like, Hey, if you feel free and you want to, you know, shower naked, that's fine. And then there's like a pause she's like, I just wouldn't do it. <laughs> I just love the, like the judgment. She's like, Hey, you do you great moments. Okay, so Arena, let's talk about Final Tribal and how that went down. Um, yeah. So Amanda and Parv in the end. What are your thoughts? Um, I don't understand how Amanda keeps making
0: it to the end. I know it's only happened twice, but I feel like it's happened a million times. Um, and I just every time she gets there, I'm like, Wow, Amanda, this is amazing. Like, this is yours to win. You did it. You're like fully capable. Clearly you made it this far. And then like she just opens her mouth and I'm like, you know what? I like wasn't loving you throughout the season, but then you made it to the finals and I was, I was here for you. I was ready to support you. And then you just didn't pull it out. And I found it disappointing. And I, I, I want to root for Amanda so badly. And I just, I, she keeps ruining it for herself.
3: Amanda's issue in Final Tribal is she plays the victim and she doesn't own what she did. Like, you were a shady bitch. Own it. Because people see right through that shit. My favorite moments were during Final Tribal were when people called her out on it. People were like, Amanda, you blindsided everybody on this jury, but last night's vote, when you had to vote out Sari, even though Sari understood, you were crying. Why was the one amicable vote the one you cried on? Mm-hmm. Weird. Or when she... Eric got up there and Eric was like, you were so mad at me. And then you pulled even more shadier shit on me. How am I supposed to turn around and vote for you? And she was like, I'm sorry. And that's all I can say. And he was like, well, like you said, a sorry can only go so far.
1: I mean, but then he votes for her. So
3: we can ignore that. She pulls these shady moves and does these things and then expects Mm -hmm. people to like, ignore that or see her as this like innocent little girl and it's like amanda own your shit
0: i think she can be summed up in my mind is like she has all the capabilities but none of the confidence like you see her making moves and like being a formidable competitor in the game but when it comes down to it she just doesn't like believe in herself enough to see it through to the end and like (laughs) i don't want to be a bitch but like you can see it in kind of different aspects of her like even just her physicality the way that she speaks the way that she sits like her posture she's always slouched over and you're like you need to you need to exhibit more like strong energy because i know you have it in you based on the moves that you're making but the way that it's coming across is just sort of half-hearted and like i i want her to succeed so badly but just certain things about the way that she sees things through to me feels like just like a lack of confidence.
1: And I think Parv was so much better at not only owning her moves, but like, I thought her opening statement was strong because Amanda just copied Todd's, which was like a whole other problem. I was like, if it's not coming from you, it's gonna feel inauthentic. But Parv said, she was like, yep, I did those things. But if you have a question, ask me and I'll be honest. Like, and she was like funny in moments, right? When Jason was like, name some redeeming qualities. She was like, well, I was very protective of Suri and Amanda, but also I didn't kill the chicken, which yeah. I was like, LOL. <laughs> perfect answer. Nailed it. Well said. Parv was like able to honestly answer and own the game that she played. Mm-hmm. And my thing with Amanda is all of her answers seemed contradictory, right? Like she'd say something and then she'd like loop back. And it was like, that doesn't make any sense. Like, what the hell are you talking about? It was just, it's just another example of that second person in a final two not being clear on what they're going to think or say, and then being like mildly jarred by what the jury comes at them with. And like Parv, like, she was like, yeah, you can be mad, but I'm sitting here. She's the, like, I'm the one who's sitting here at the end of the day. So like, be mad all you want, ask me questions, I'll answer you honestly, but like, I'm the one who's sitting here. So you gotta like, you gotta do you to get okay with that. I can't fix that for you, which I appreciate. Tribal council could have been more bitter than it was. The people that were bitter voted for Amanda.
2: <laughs> and speaking of being bitter, Ozzy was quite bitter and also professed his love all in the same Ozzie
3: <laughs> Ozzy just yeah. felt so hard from Graces.
1: Can I talk about Ozzy for a second? Go for uh, it. Okay, so the way Nick feels about Eric, like the, like, voraciousness of how he feels about Eric is how I feel about Ozzy, even still. I hate it his, like, <laughs> confession of love to Amanda. Like, I absolutely hated it. However, Nick and I yelled about this a lot, and so I'm st- I stopped having this argument with Nick. Um, but this, this goes back to the idea that your previous game can come back to haunt you or help you. Mm-hmm. And Ozzy is a really good example of him assuming that another season of Survivor was going to run exactly the same way that his first season did, which is why he was able to be blindsided. And I th- it truly is because he believed in holding true to your alliance. Like, that's who he is as a person. That's who he was in Cook Islands. And, like, even in Cook Islands, he played the same physical game in Cook Islands. He won every immunity, like, all this other stuff. I think there were more competitive people against him here, but, like... But he was able to get immunity often, which definitely helped. But he also was very loyal to Sundra, Becky, Yule, and him. And that, to him it was like blasphemous to go against that. And I think Yule, like there aren't that many blindsides in Cook Islands and mm-hmm. I, there don't need to be, which I, I don't think it like hurts or helps the season in any way. But Ozzy I think was so blissfully unaware of the concept of, an, of a blindside. And I think because of that, he then had no ability to see how what Parv and Sari did was the only choice. Like he didn't have, because he was like, to me, you don't go back on your alliance. I was in an alliance with you two. Like, what the fuck? Like Amanda didn't vote for me. And it's like, yeah, of course she didn't. Cause she would have told you bitch. So she didn't know. It's not like she was more ethical. It's like, she had no fucking clue. So we don't give her more credit than she deserves here, Ozzy. My thing with Ozzy is I'm like, I just can absolutely see how his gameplay is truly reflective of his personal survivor experiences. And I think in that regards, I can't be that mad at him. I get where he's coming from. Do I love it? No. Do I love that color on him? No. But I think I'm, for me, I was like, actually, what he did makes total sense.
0: I think with Ozzy, like, it's, it's so rare in Survivor that we see someone who is so good at playing the straightforward game and so lucky enough to be put in a group of people where they don't need to think beyond that straightforward physical game So it's it's so rare that we have someone like Ozzy who you're like oh he's never had to think outside of the box of like be successful in challenges and be true to your alliance and that will get you far in the game
3: and like that's the issue like he's not a social player and I know he plays another time at least so I'm curious if like he's learned something from this season and he comes into his next season like okay. I need to play this game socially and physically and can't just rely on the fact that I'm Aussie to get me further.
0: I wouldn't say that he's not a social player because I do think he has an awareness and some semblance of skill in the social game. But I think to, to the point that we were just making, like I, I don't think he's been put in a situation where he's needed to be a social player in a way where he wasn't holding the reins. And so he's had to pivot and play the social game of being like a backstabber. Like, I think we've seen him make social and manipulative moves, but he's always been the one in control when those have been successful. And so he's never had to think, you know, two, three steps ahead of like, okay, I'm losing control. How do I pivot from that?
1: I have a lot of feels about Ozzy I'm not off team Ozzy like Nick is Nick is no longer a part of it he doesn't stand him anymore he's done but like I think I'll always be team Ozzy in my heart of hearts I can't say no but I it was it was not a great showing at final tribal or at the reunion tbh and I was like Ozzy this is not a good color on you I'm gonna I'm going to love you through this. Like, I loved Justin Bieber through the egg-throwing phase, like, at cars and shit. Like, I loved him through that. I can love Ozzy through this. It's it fun. was
0: just a little embarrassing for him. Like, yeah. I lost a little bit of respect.
3: Because you would never. I think the thing that hurt me the worst was he went up there and he was like, that was, so, that was a very smart, strategic move, and I respect that a lot. Mm-hmm. But you're still a bitch. And I'm like, okay, no. You don't get to play both sides. You don't get to be like, that was such a strong move. But I love this girl, so I'm going to vote for her. And you're a (laughs) bitch because we were friends. How dare you? Like, okay, Ozzy, calm down.
2: Oh, Ozzy. Okay, well, so final travel, I think the general thoughts are Amanda could have owned her game more. Parv did. I would say Parv even took credit for things Suri really planned. They respected Parv, and she won. So, all right, let's go ahead and get to our honorable slash dishonorable mentions. Um, So players that kind of stood out to us for various reasons. So mine is Alexis. I, from like early on in the season, was like, I like Alexis. I know she's not going to win, but... She's just such a great hype woman. If you listen back on certain challenges, you can always hear her just saying like, you got it, girl. You got it, girl. And I'm just like, are you just here to like build people up? Which flash forward to her Instagram slash her life where she's a motivational speaker. She has an Instagram called I Am That Girl that's all about building up women. It has... A lot of followers. Aggie was already following it without knowing it was Alexis. So I I mean, so I just, she's all about empowering women. She did it throughout the season and then she got blindsided, you know? So she's my um, honorable mention. And on top of all of that, she also like kind of tried to steal Ozzy from Amanda briefly.
3: Yes, I love that. Also,
0: I feel like we always talk about how hot the guys are, but like Alexis was hot. She was. Like, I'm saying
3: it. Almost <laughs> so poverty. Yeah, well,
0: yeah, but like, of course she is.
3: Like, we never brought it up before. We no, all like, love Dick. It
0: played out as a part of her quote-unquote character, whereas like Alexis oh doesn't get God. that same like edit of like she's the hot like flirty girl. Yeah, that's like, true. she
2: totally could be. She's married to, like, some professional athlete, too, (laughs) or (laughs) professional athlete, so. Okay, obviously, I stalked her, so I want to be your best friend, Alexis, if you're listening. You live in Austin. I live in Dallas. We can make it happen. Okay. Hi. So moving on, <laughs> who had who? I don't know who is next. So Nick, who's your honorable mention? Okay,
3: so mine is Eliza, queen of commentary, queen of facial expressions. The number one jiffable moment is just any time Eliza is on the jury. So oh my God, it is remarkable. I can watch her for hours. My biggest thing with Eliza is she is clearly nobody's favorite player. Like, when you play a season with her, it is very clear that, like, you don't want to play with her, it looks like. Like, all those players were like, no, ew, why do we want to be with her? And I don't fully get it, but she never is, like, gone early. Both seasons, she's made it onto the jury, despite all odds. She has weaseled her way into making it far into the game. And I also love her at Final Tribal, where she just calls both of them out on their shit and airs their dirty laundry and was just like, Harvardy, I get it. You were playing this strong blindside game, but you were a bully to me for no reason and like didn't need to be that mean to me. Mm. And she was like, you insulted me. You called me dumb. You called me ditzy. And none of that had to do with you getting rid of me. You just did it to be rude. Amanda, you're boring. <laughs> and I was like, the tea, Eliza? I am here for it. I loved it. And that's she is my honorable mention. <laughs>
2: Um, Aggie, who's your honorable mention?
1: So mine was Eliza, but once again, Nick (laughs) stole it, so I will pick someone else.
3: I'm better and faster.
1: Fine, (laughs) I'm fine, I'm gonna, I'm chill, I'm chill. Next season, season 17, I'm gonna take things first, it's fine. My honorable mention was Tracy, mainly because, um, similar to my honorable mention in Amazon, Dina, Tracy was running game. She was just like always, she was on the bottom by circumstance, not because she didn't try to not be on the bottom. And she was on the bottom in a different way than Eliza, whereas Eliza maybe just isn't great at making friends. I would be fast friends with her. We'd get along great. But I think she's not great at like putting herself in social situations where she doesn't have like a little bit of control or a little bit of like ability to like be in charge of a situation. She's very much like a type A, like I got this, like I know what I'm doing. And then other people don't respond well to that because they think it's like bossy or Mm -hmm. weird or mean. Um, But Tracy, she aligned herself with Kathy and Chet purely because the young people in the IRI tribe like wanted nothing to do with them. And then Kathy quit and Chet was like nonsensical. Um, And so she was just like, I'm now alive. Like the last person in my alliance is this guy who is useless in challenges and everyone hates. But she and Sari were able to get rid of Joel, who was like a terrifying threat. She was able to get, she got Chet through like three votes where definitely Chet was going home. And then he didn't because Tracy like worked magic. Mm -hmm. So she definitely had potential to be more successful, but because she allied with the wrong people, that in the end hurt her game. It's another right. argument for like finding the right alliance at the beginning, which you might not know if it's the right one or not. You might think it's fine and then it turns into a disaster. But had she made the merge, I think she would have gone further.
2: Mm-hmm. All right. And Anna, I think you have a dishonorable mention. So go so for it.
0: I have a dishonorable mention and I will explain myself in that my dishonorable mention is Natalie. I do want to give Natalie some credit because I think she was okay at achieving what she maybe set out to do and maybe decided really late in the game that she was going to do in that she was definitely making some power moves and aligning herself correctly near the end. However... We didn't get but two words from Natalie until whatever episode the auction was in, which was maybe like 10 or 11. And I don't know if I can fault Natalie for that. I don't know if it was on her part of not doing anything or being interesting enough to make an episode or -hmm. if it was an editing thing and again maybe she just didn't do anything enough to contribute to the story until those final episodes which to me is just like whether it was an editing choice or it truly was her it's it's a bummer either way because whether it was her or the editors she obviously didn't make enough of an impact on the storyline as a whole throughout the season to be included before this like last kind of handful of episodes and it just had such a negative effect on when she finally did make a splash where to me, you just, you can't go from not being in the episodes pretty much at all mm-hmm. to coming on with such a strong personality. And like, suddenly she's like, I'm evil. I'm manipulative. This is my personality. I'm like a little witch and blah, blah, blah. I'm going to do all this stuff. And like, she had these confessionals where she would make these like sort of long, elaborate he he hee, ha, ha, ha. This is my, like, sound bite. It's going to be so brilliant because we're so manipulative. And you were like, you were nothing an episode ago. So tell me why I should be invested in you or I should like you or I should find you anything but completely contrived and obnoxious.
1: It's also an aggressive villain edit. It went from nothing to, like, I'm the villain of the show.
0: Like, watching her have those villain moments in her confessionals, nothing about that was the edit. That was very much the things that were coming out of her mouth. Like she was, she was clearly saying those things and wanted to be perceived in that light. So to me, either she wasn't doing that up to that point, or there was some kind of miscommunication in the editing where they were like, we don't need to show her doing anything until we have to show her doing everything. And I don't really know how to take it, but it came across to me as just incredibly contrived and obnoxious when all of a sudden this girl, who hadn't said two words in an episode, was like, I'm calling the shots, I'm evil, I'm manipulative, like, hee hee hee. And I just didn't want it at that point. I was like, I'm too invested in these other people who are doing very similar things successfully. I just, it's kind of too little too late. Like, I'm not interested in seeing a new character on Mm -hmm. episode 11 out of 14. I've but. already
1: got my favorites on season 16, like my favorites during this ep- this episode arc. And exactly. we're not using new characters in episode 11. Like, no.
0: And it didn't help that like of the women's alliance, she was really gunning for Eric, who at that point, like I was team Eric. I was like, I want the women to succeed, but also like, no, Eric. Yeah, so I don't know. I, I felt like by the time she came onto the scene, That role had been filled and it was filled by someone I would rather watch or, you know, a handful of people that I would rather watch just because I was more invested in them. Whether it was because they were favorites who were returning or because the edit of the season didn't include Natalie until too late. So, sorry, Natalie, maybe you got done dirty, but no thanks also
1: her question at final tribal made everyone squirm and jeff was like parv do you know what she's asking and parv was like i refuse to acknowledge what she's asking (laughs) i I will say like is being flirty something that like gets you off and i was like i'm gonna die like please stop
0: in in slight honorable mention she is the only person who openly called out amanda for being like kind of dead behind the eyes and for that i commend her (laughs)
2: <laughs> all right so wrapping up we'll have our rapid fire questions so we'll make them as quick as possible first one would be which favorite were you most excited to see back when you saw the cast um and i would say Suri. i she was great in the first time and i was excited to see her again uh nick who would you say
3: oh sari 100 Um <laughs> if you want to get if you want me to give you somebody different it would be eliza and I asked Aggie, I actively screamed when I saw Eliza come on the screen because I did not expect her to come back and play ever again. So I saw her come back. I was like, oh, yes, yes. So I had a moment. (laughs) All right. Um, Anna. No, that's what I sound like in the bedroom. Ayo.
1: We're cutting that.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Oh my God. Anna. (laughs) Um, Jonathan Penner, 100%. I I have to assume he's going to come back again, and I cannot wait
2: and Aggie?
1: I mean, my answer was going to be Penner, but I did scream fucking loud when Ozzy walked back onto my screen. I was unwell. <laughs> I was like, I don't deserve another season of Ozzy. Thank God I get two more after this. Oh, what a dream. What a delight.
2: All right. Next, there was a challenge uh, that Eric won that was about um, survivor, survivor trivia. Um, so as we were watching, I'm curious to know how everyone did, um, if you missed any or not. I missed, I think, two. I missed one about the shark thing, because I thought it was Tom. I just knew he had some issue with sharks, <laughs> so I thought it was Tom. And then there was one other one I missed. I can't remember. So sad to admit, I didn't get a perfect score. Um, Aggie, how'd you do?
1: Well, the end it kind of tag-teamed, I feel like. We all We knew all the moments sometimes we like messed up the seasons, so we had to correct each other but like between the two of us we both got all of them right with the um, the shark one was confusing yeah. nick remembered it was richard hatch with
3: the shark one i knew it, it was richard hatch but i was like did this happen in borneo or did it happen in all stars
2: and
1: i was like i think it was
2: all stars because yeah.
3: borneo
1: nothing really happened
3: shut up borneo was great
2: <laughs> all right and anna how'd you do
1: um, not to toot my own horn, but I
0: did excellent. <laughs> um, I was really stressed when I was, like, answering them in my mind, because I was like, I don't, what if it's wrong? What if it's wrong? Um, the only hey, one man. that I didn't quite get was, the question was, which was the first season to divide the teams yeah. into four tribes? And I knew which season it was. I just couldn't remember the name of it. Mm-hmm. Uh, obviously, it was season 12 panama colon exile island and i was like i can see the people i can see them divided into like old men young men old women younger women but i just i couldn't think of the name in the moment but i know if i had that little spinny wheel i could scroll to it you know
1: Mm -hmm. so we're good
3: <laughs> um, I will also say, can we point out that the so-called fan Natalie got every single question wrong. She got the
1: one right about the fire hands, which other fans got wrong. And I was like, yeah. guys, if you don't know about so fire hands,
3: know, hands no. back,
1: what are you doing?
3: The here? fans did really poorly, and I was like, these are not fans. These are people that you cast. Eric knew told. every
1: answer. <laughs> Eric knew every answer. He won the immunity challenge. When his brother walked up, said he was like, dude, that's Jeff Probst, like. Eric's a fan.
2: I have heard that some of the fans were not truly fans, but um, okay. Next question. So favorite moment just overall of the season? It could be anything, a quote, a moment. There's so many, but I would say one of my favorite is when Chet and Joel are doing that chasing competition and not, I don't like the part where Chet hits his head, but I love when he says at the end, "I hit my head back there." And Joel says, "I don't care." I can watch that like ten times. Just it was just so funny. So that's my favorite. Um, Anna, what's your favorite?
0: Um, mine, actually, funnily enough, is also a Chet Joel moment. And like, I hated them both so much. I thought Joel was so scary, but it's it might be right after that challenge or when they're talking about voting Chet off. And Joel describes Chet as a wet rag or a ball of goo. And then he goes on to say, if we went back to medieval times, we'd kill him ourselves.
2: And something about it, I was like, this is the funniest thing
0: anyone's ever said on Survivor. Like, if this were medieval times, we'd kill him ourselves. Like, why medieval times?
1: Because he doesn't know enough history to realize that, like, that maybe doesn't make sense. Yeah. It just,
0: it's out of
2: nowhere in the context of Survivor, but it was so funny. <laughs> and I have to add, I forgot, with my favorite moment, it's, you know, him saying, I hit my head, I don't care, and Chet saying, I know. That's <laughs>
1: <laughs> I know, I don't care.
2: <laughs> okay, <laughs> um, Aggie, what was your favorite?
1: I mean, Nick already mentioned one of them. It's a fucking stick. will go down as the most iconic thing that's ever happened. But my moment is when... <laughs> They have the 60 seconds to eat the whole cake. And then Saree charges Eric 40 bucks to lick her finger. Like, I was like, what? And then Jeff's like, the auction is over. And I'm like, what the fuck just happened? Like, I'm sitting there and I was crying. I thought that was some of the funniest shit I've ever watched. And those women fully, like, it was everything to me. That whole interaction. Natalie taking the biggest bite ever before they could all sit down and eat it offering $40 to lick each other's fingers. It was, wow, more than they bargained for with this. James,
2: James saying, what's wrong with that boy?
0: (laughs) James at some point during a challenge is like, what in the Nickelodeon is going on here? And you're like, what does that
1: mean?
3: James is a problematic. Because it was like
1: slime. It was like colored slime. It was the one where they had their hands.
3: James is problematic, (laughs) but has funny moments.
2: And Nick, what was your favorite moment?
3: um low-key but also just like so cute it was just like the one funny and truly like cool moment was when they released the chicken and didn't eat it and then she just the chicken just stayed with them and didn't run away and Saris like i guess she doesn't know that the show's over she's (laughs) supposed to go now we're done
2: (laughs) oh gosh all right and finally wrapping up what is our favorite jeff moment or quote of the season i feel like he was pretty vocal during this season because my favorite was when you know he and penner had just a lot of back and forth and some challenges and i love when penner was trying to say like this uh game is rigged or whatever and jeff is like penner stop bitching and start throwing (laughs) that was kind of uncalled for but okay (laughs) (laughs)
0: But definitely, um, there's a moment in a tribal council when you're getting, Jeff's asking people questions, and you're getting reaction shots, and at some point, like, Eliza rolls her eyes, and Jeff calls her out and goes, Eliza, can't miss your eyes when they roll. And you're like, Jeff, that is the meanest thing you've ever said to someone. Because you look at Eliza, she's got a cute face, but she got big old eyes. And you're (laughs) like, Jeff, stop throwing shade and being like, Eliza, can't miss those eyes when they roll. Dude, take it down a notch. He can't, though. It's aggressively savage.
1: (laughs) I love when the moment we've talked about a lot where Eric tells his brother, he's like, look, man, it's Jeff Rose. And Jeff's like, Eric, you're a freak. (laughs) Like, just like, I can't even, I can't even, like, mince my words. Like, Eric, you're a freak. Like, I I really can't. Like, goodbye.
3: I personally love At The Reunion when Jeff is just like berating Amanda being like, how does it feel to be a failure two seasons in a row? How does it feel? No, but like it has to be soul crushing, right? It has to really hurt that you got so close both seasons you were on right in a row and you can't pull it through. And Amanda's like, well, when you put it like that, yeah, it fucking sucks.
1: (laughs) Wait, I have a bonus Jeff quote. I have a bonus Jeff quote. Um, when Chet royally fucks up the challenge and they go to tribal and he's like, Chet, are you on the chopping block? And Chet's like, well, I think I did better than like, I thought. And Jeff goes, that's giving you way more credit than you should. (laughs) The tea. And then he goes, and then he continues, he's like, Chet, you couldn't even get out of the water. You were like struggling to get out of the water. And I was like, okay, Jeff.
3: I will say Listen. Chet calls Jeff out on a shit at the reunion. Chet mm-hmm. was like, well, it's kind of hard to like think you're a good player when you're sitting there, Jeff, telling me every single tribal, every single challenge, hey, you're the oldest contestant. Hey, you were kind of weak at that challenge. Yeah. You are not as strong as the other people. So it kind of brings it down a couple, which is so true. <laughs> yes. Stop being biased towards other players and be an unbiased host like you fucking should.
0: But also, I
2: don't want it any other way.
1: (laughs) I, I don't want an unbiased Jeff. An unbiased Jeff is a Jeff no one really wants to watch this game. Only
2: Jeff can get away with these things, Nick, because of those dimples. He can really do uh, anything. almost anything, to
3: oh be clear. He has some faults. Typical man, he can work <laughs> his smile and good looks and treat everybody like shit, but we're okay with that. Yeah, okay, pulse. white man. <laughs> Probst, white, straight, cisgender man. Yeah, okay. if Jeff Proves
0: talked to me like he did to the people on this season, I'd be like,
1: Okay. <laughs> he I'm a failure. Oh Jeff knows my name. This is so fun <laughs> for me.
0: It's Jeffrey. she's right. He's standing
1: right there. He's standing there. Aggie, you're a freak. I know, Jeffrey. It's fine. Just leave me alone.
2: All I right. Um, this has been, you know, a great season. Clearly we had a lot of thoughts. There's more we could have discussed, but overall I think we give it, you know, an A. I would say we give it an A. Um, and we'll be back soon to talk about season 17. So thanks and see you next time. All right. Thank you all for listening to this week's episode. Um, If you liked the episode, go ahead and give us a rating and a review. And if you didn't like it, Still give us some feedback. We love to grow. We're all about um, making changes when needed. So give us some uh, some feedback. Be sure to also subscribe so that you get our um, our newest post just automatically. It's the easiest way to listen to us. And we will be releasing new episodes each week. You can also follow us and follow our show's social media on Twitter and Instagram. Instagram is Escaping Reality Pod and Twitter is ESC reality pod. So be sure to follow us. We would love to say, hi, we'd love to hear from you. Um, we love talking about survivor and reality TV so we could do it all day, except that we have jobs as well. So we'll do our best. <laughs> um, but Of course, if you were on Survivor, you could make our dreams come true by coming and joining the podcast one week. So definitely reach out to us. We would love to have you. I might fangirl a little bit, but I'll get over it. Um, All right. Thanks, everyone. Thanks for listening and hit us up. And thanks for escaping reality with us.